All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm really pleased to have with me my friend David Gerwitz. Uh, he's, uh, David serves, well, he's been with us several times, so I don't know if it's necessary to read this whole, uh, this whole bio, but the point is that it's almost necessary because uh, it, it's very impressive. Uh, David uh, doesn't hold himself out to be uh, the best thing since sliced bread. And in fact, in some ways, I think I have a higher opinion of David than he has of himself. Uh, but he is, he does admit he's a little bit proud of the fact that he is a, a top-rate concert pianist. Uh, at, but, you know, this guy has got a, a doctor's, he's got a JD degree in law, he's got an MBA, he's got a CPA, uh, and he, he played some uh, professional baseball in the Expos chain, chain uh, farm system at one time. I understand also played some professional basketball. He's about twice as tall as I am. He's, uh, uh, and he's just a really nice guy, and he, he loves music, as does uh, Charles Nanner. But he's, David is just really unique. Um, and so, you know, one of the things, David, before we get into talking about the markets and stuff, I, I, I want to ask you a little bit about your association with Red Auerbach. And you're, you, you say you were a talent scout at one time, uh, and that sort of played into your acquaintance and learning to know Charles Nanner. Talk to us about Red Auerbach, right. your, your, your experience as a, as a basketball player, right. uh, and, and then as a talent scout. Were you a talent scout in, for basketball players or what? Well, first of all, I want to thank you very much. You are my friend, so I want people to know we're not making it up. We really are friends, so that's a wonderful That's thing. true. Um, this show should be for the next three hours, and we're going to talk about Red Auerbach and basketball. Red Auerbach is worth three hours, right? Yeah, but anyway, I I live being a talent scout, and I think everybody should because that's how you get better. I mean, you look around and go, that guy's good, or that woman's good, and they're yes. good at this, or yourself to see what you're talented in and what you're not, and how yeah. to improve because. Mm-hmm. That's you know Rosh Hashanah is coming up in a few weeks and it's mm-hmm. it's not just it's not just the Jewish holiday it's for the whole world and it's all about changing and all about growing and that's kind of what we're all sure. here for I think, I think anyway so. I was a big basketball player growing up I played semi pro basketball in Spain I wasn't that good but over there I was good and at the time they didn't know how to play basketball so I really stood out it was a great arbitrage situation. And then I went to college, and my freshman coach was a super player who scored 3,000 points in college. And my my college coach was a – he played for the Celtics. And during the summers, I was a bellhop at a hotel that Red's daughter used to go to. So Red used to visit. And people may not know Red Auerbach put the Celtics together. Oh, absolutely. He's a legend for sure. Yeah, and And those greats. 
he's a genius. So I spent a lot of time with him. How'd you pick Bill Russell? How'd you pick Dave Cowens? And this is before Larry Bird even. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not 25 anymore. And so I spent so much time listening to how he understood people and how they played together and picked together. And when I met Charles, I, I knew he was a genius. And I knew he was super talented. And because of all this training I had, I was able to, thank God, pick out I didn't know he was a Goldman, and then I asked him, and we wound up building this research firm, which I guess is one of the biggest in the world now. And I attribute part of that to, well, number one, it's humility, because you got to see when someone's really good. And number two, sure. I was trained by one of the top people, probably, if not the top person in the history of sports, how to pick talent that others didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I had to look at things differently, which is the whole point of how Charles Nenner approaches markets. He sees it totally differently because he was a doctor listening and saw that there were patterns nobody was picking up. So the moral of the story is as we listen to the news, which I recommend people don't do so much, <laughs> and really try and think <laughs> to see the world differently and to see how other people see it differently, they may open their eyes differently. And that's kind of one of the things that I try and do in life. But how did you know that Charles Nanner was somebody special? It's a great question. It's a great question. I, years ago, used to raise money for a group of guys that became billionaires that started Highbridge Capital. Okay, and they two young guys, and they eventually, and they were giving money out to Paul Tudor Jones and Louis Bacon mm-hmm. and Zach Bacon, who are now multi-billionaires, great managers. And back then, they were managing like $20 million. It's probably mm-hmm. what they have in each pocket right now, just to walk around yeah. So I knew that side, and I was involved myself. You know, I have these degrees, but I'm the son of a truck mechanic, so I really yeah. like how things are, engines and how things work. So I, I ran a couple of operating companies, bought and sold over the years, and so mm. I really like running businesses because, uh-huh. there's, you know. So when I met Charles, I didn't know what he did, but... I had this background that I knew the, 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 the hedge fund business, which then was not hedge fund. It was called pooled futures trading. So I never thought about research. I mean, and the reality is even today, there are very few pure research firms in the world. And no, I know this for a fact, and you know this also. Yeah. And one of the things we pride ourselves on is the fact we don't manage money, and we're not right. brokers, and we just want to tell people, here's what we think is going to happen. And, you know, think, and therefore we're not biased to have to be in the market. You know, we have some clients with many, we have a lot of clients. Some have billions that have to be long. Mm -hmm. And we may say we don't want to be, and they say we know, but tell us what to do given our mandate is to be long. Because let's say the Ohio teacher's retirement is, they got 30 billion and they're giving 6 million, 6 billion long to different managers. They have to be long, even if markets are topping, which they are basically, and I'll talk about that in a second. Yes, please, so yes. we have to uh, help them find a place to belong when we don't think they should be, and that's a whole piece of the business not so simple to do. Uh-huh. So it's a lot of thought involved, which we enjoy, obviously. Charles is a tremendous thinker, as you know. You met him, and you... Oh, yeah. Him. I, I so mean, I, the, only, the only way I can describe Charles Nanner is he walks around <laughs> in his own world and smoke coming out of his ears. <laughs> I mean, he, he and he's a, he's a nice man, but you can tell he's so deep in thought, and he's oh, and yeah. he's a high he's a high energy guy as you are too, David. Yeah, and just just <laughs> constantly constantly working that brain. 
yes. Yeah, he he is amazing. Does he yeah. still have uh, Does he still have some input at Goldman Sachs? Yeah, well, I'm not supposed to say anything, so I'm yeah, not okay. going to. <laughs> All right, no comment. No comment. Okay, no he, comment. Ha- he 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 has clients that are that are. He has a lot of clients uh, that are hedge funds, right? Yeah, we have. Let me just say, we have everything. We have individuals. We have hedge funds. We have family offices. We have sovereign wealth funds. Sixty billion, eighty. Wow. It's a funny thing in the Far East and Norway. Norway's actually got the biggest sovereign wealth fund in the world, believe it or not. And Is that so right? we deal with yeah, we have clients with so much money, we have clients with some less. And like as Charles always said, apples topping for a guy with ten billion as it is for a guy with two hundred two hundred two hundred thousand. <laughs> apple yeah. topping and topping. By the way, Apple, he said today, and those who are listening, he still thinks it's gonna go back to seven hundred. Actually, higher. It's going to take a while, but it's not going to be straight up, but it's going to take, you know, maybe three years, but it's going to probably go past where it was. And given that he called the top in it, people might want to pay some attention to him. Absolutely. What what is it selling at now, more or less, David? It's 505, 503. He kind of said 425 was a was was a was a strong indicator that it was a, a, a buy a potential buy signal, and it went up. 20% 20% to 495 mm-hmm. and you know there's a there's a short term top coming soon as a matter of fact I'll tell you as we mentioned before the show yeah. I've got notes of a call I did today with Charles in some rather large places and I haven't even put them all together yet uh-huh. but um, basically Apple cycles bottom to 425 the next short term high is in October so mm-hmm. longer term we have a target in the mid 700s you know mm-hmm. but if, if it closes below 467 be careful. See, it's an interesting mix how he scientifically, and one thing you didn't mention, which I never told you, is not only am I a lawyer, CPA, and MBA, but I'm most proud of my high school because <laughs> I went is to it? Bronx High School of Science. Yes, good school. That, that was the best school I ever went to, you know, in, in that sense. I, I learned uh-huh. chemistry, biology, physics, math, sure. writing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm really a scientist and a mathematician, which led to the music. I'll tell you in a second. So anyway, so he is also a scientist and a mathematician, Charles. Yes, so he is. So when he came up with this system of cycles that tell you direction, mm-hmm. he also incorporated a piece that gives you level. And that piece, to summarize something that would take an hour to summarize, I'm going to summarize the summary. It kind of is based on quantum physics and the decay and the trajectory of shooting a bullet out of a gun and all the mm-hmm. stuff that is in quote-unquote nature mm-hmm. is in the markets. And so markets move according to that instead of what Bernanke says, which is yeah. not how we feel. So yeah, as that, a matter of fact, Bernanke may be respond, responding to those things rather than the other way around. Well, we that think is, everyone is subconsciously. Yeah. Which it's, is a it's, big thing to accept, and it's hard for people. That's why, you know, Charles, even when I met him at Goldman, I mean, I'm allowed to say he was full-time back then. Only a few people were really understanding what he did, because yeah. and he was reporting to the head of Global Macro. and But he's really, you know, he's really something. As you know, I'm really happy you got to know him and spent oh, time yeah. with him. Yeah, he he is really exceptional. Um, well, so that that sort of Apple might be one of those places that uh, that Charles will put some of those funds that have to be long in yes, into at right, the right, right time. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, it is really true. I mean, and and uh, let me just say, it's CharlesNanner.com, I believe. Is that the website? I, I should right, always have correct. this in. Charles people Nanner, N E N 
N-E-R.com, right. And they should go there. There's lots of good information and, and explains. You, you did an excellent job there, David, uh, on, a, uh, on an interview that you did, uh, actually a presentation you made at Bloomberg in their studios or in the, uh, one of their rooms there that is right. available to people to watch. And you explain, I think, uh, very well for starters, for, for people that might be interested in using Charles' work to trade off of. And I, I have done it uh, to the extent, you know, I've, I've had the time to follow it. I, I've done it and I've... Honestly, I've made some money uh, trading. Uh, you, you, I do think you have to keep, you know, you have to be have a trading mentality. You need to be behind your computer and be able to get in and out and watch the markets. But I, when I've done that, I've done very well with Charles. And I can't say there's too many people that I've made money with when I've, uh, you know, services that I've made money with. And natural gas is one that I've done well with, and some other things as well. Well, um, that's not easy. Nat Gass is known as the widow maker, so it's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, know. there's others that, that make more money probably and faster, but uh, yeah. I, I'm a bit conservative. So uh, let, let's talk about the uh, the general market. So you, you indicated sure. um, Charles thinks we're nearing a top here. Yeah, let me read you. It's, it's, the good thing is I didn't become a doctor, but I have a handwriting like a doctor. So, <laughs> so you can't, but you can read I, your own writing, I hope. It's not so easy, right? So anyway, let me read my notes. Um, kind of nonstop, but basically the stocks are going to kind of bounce around till September mm-hmm. and then down, but not major down this year. Next year, it seems like the Fed will back off, and then next year we're going to have strong economy into the third quarter, and rates will start to go up, and then, uh, so he thinks the downturn, which he thinks is going to be a two-thirds cut over the next several years from a fourteen dollars or $15,000 Dow thousand down to six or five you know wow. it's going to get there not straight but it's starting more next year but you know over, uh, over what time frame what is the uh, well seven years seven, seven years. years okay yeah that's the and cycles. then after that let's take real long term he thinks we'll have a unbelievable bull market for the for the following 10 so he's actually the, looking at a six. He's actually looking at a, at a six thousand dow or somewhere in that vicinity yeah, even lower even lower something's going to cause it he doesn't know what he could be yeah. war because war cycles are also bottoming. Again, that's not a long-term discussion we want to have. But no, if we don't want Google, that. if the listeners want to Google the one hundred-year war cycle, if the, for the least the last seven hundred years, there's been a major war in the second decade of every century. Oh, that's that's now, unfortunate. Hundred years ago, we know that was World War One. There was something known as the War of eighteen twelve. They wrote a song about it. <laughs> the Overture of 1812. 1713 was a big war. I think sixteen fifteen, fifteen something. And you can Google it and see. So that's a hundred year cycle. Then there's other ones. And what we do, which Charles does, is, is you know he combines many cycles to find exactly. When, you know, so that's that's something that he says is you know he called this three years ago. 2013, 2014 is going to be more war, which kind of people scratch their and go, how could you predict that? The answer is humans don't have the free choice they think they do, which, again, is a discussion better not to have. So that's what he sees longer term, how to maybe get the Dow down there with all the ramifications of that. And then bonds with rates going up will also be down. And you had asked about bond rates and housing, which we're not real experts in, although I'll tell you a funny thing Charles says. Let's say you you own a house. You own the bricks. Right? Should, should you take half a million bucks and pay off the mortgage or stick it in the bank? Yeah. And he'd rather own the house, even if it goes down in value, unless you have the house, because the bank's going to have issues down the road. 
Right. So better pay off the mortgage. Well, no, that that's a separate question. I mean, because a lot of people actually rates are so low, assuming they will do well long term. Now's not a bad time to lock in. Obviously, right for sure. But in terms of values, you had asked a very good question. He he thinks we're going to have very rough times. So they're going to be rough times. Housing prices won't go up. Certainly, deflation. He says the next two or three years, we will not begin inflation till that time, which means that's when he thinks gold and silver, which we're going to get to, as we'll get to now, will really start to take off. But until then, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for trades, and eventually two, gold two, and silver so, go back yeah. to their highs. Okay, so two to three years, we're in a trading range. What sort of range does he see? Uh, I don't know. Lows? Good question. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have that. That was yeah. not in, yeah. I mean, does he think, uh, or does he not know yet whether we've seen the lows? I guess he, based on what I see that he writes, he may not be sure yet. That- the, well, let me answer the question in two parts. The low could, could be a bouncing low, meaning got there, goes up a little, goes back there, goes up a little, goes back there. It doesn't yeah. really go, like, that's that's in effect the low with a lot of up moves. Right. Um, I'll give you one thing just to give you. He mentioned about the commodities we were talking about, and and I'm going to tie that into gold and silver because he was talking about all the commodities and the long term cycles on commodities. Commodity index is a 30 year cycle, which in bonds we know there's a 30 year cycle. Obviously, 30 years ago rates were high. Now they're mm-hmm. low. 1950, they were low. So 30 years from now, they'll be very high, according to that. Mm-hmm. But in commodities, he says there's a, that every 30 years is a commodity cycle there. And then it, from the high to the low, I mean, this is the stuff he does. As you can appreciate, I, it's 350%. And so uh-huh. it hit it there in 2010 and 11. So he thinks we're hitting or will hit a major high in the CRB. That's mm-hmm. called the Commodity Research Board, which you know. Right, right. And therefore, it will longer term be down, even though corn we're going to buy soon, because there'll be up moves within a longer down move, obviously. Wheat we're going to buy soon. It's kind of an up move in a bear market. Corn we're getting ready to buy. We shorted soybeans, which got crushed. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how he sees the overall you know, uh, commodity thing. Mm-hmm. And um, um, does he does he look at? Uh, I just it would be interesting in seeing his cycles for gold and how they compare with the commodities, like let's say the hard commodities, the other base metals would be interesting. I know right. he does watch copper, I believe, right? Yeah, copper. He says is down. Copper is down. Down cycle is, now. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, he called the top a year ago. We have a bunch of sovereign wealth funds. You know, you, you know, like I mentioned, they have. 60 billion, 70 billion, so they're going to put on a copper trade. It's not five grand, right? So right. is it topping or bottoming? He said it was topping. And whether they did it or not, we don't know the trades, obviously. We don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't tell us. Yeah. Yeah. Or should they? We don't want to know. The we don't want to know. See, right. Don't tell us. Don't tell us. Yeah. And it went down, and then it hit a bottom, but he thinks longer term copper is down. Gold is up longer term. Longer term, you know, gold silver is up. up, which you know gold better than I do. You've been dealing with it a lot longer. Um, zinc, I don't know. You had asked, and we're going to look yeah. into it. And lead, we don't know, but we have to look into it. You know, we don't know everything. Lumber's yeah. down. Yeah. You had asked about that. Lumber's down fairly big till 2014. Really? Okay. Yeah. Let, let me ask you. So, if I understood what you said a minute ago, David, uh, we're looking at the next two to three years or so. 
uh, as, as deflationary? Correct. Deflationary forces or outright deflation, possibly? Good question. I don't know. That's a, yeah. that's a good question. But anyway, he doesn't know. see any inflation, major inflation no. problems for two to three years. Then he sees gold running to higher nominal terms in terms of inflation, I guess, with, with the inflation. Right, right, mm-hmm. exactly. He does, he, a, he does a lot of cycles for economic statistics and things, yes. too. Like, yes. uh, he Let put out a, a very interesting piece recently on, uh, yes. on Sundays. I, I should mention to our listeners, on Sundays he puts out uh, a bunch of charts, a number of charts that show the timing of the cycles and so forth, right? Let me read it, two of those, now that you mentioned them. Very good yeah. question. So let's read. He, he mentioned, again, so we have cycles which are top-to-tops in any data series, right? It's like going mm-hmm. to a doctor and he lays out all the EKGs. Let's, uh, excuse me. <laughs> you know what I think you could just Let's say you did a bunch of EKGs and you laid them off, superimposed them on each other. Like ground balls to a baseball player, if you put one right. every two feet, five. if you put them all over each other, sine curves, when they're all topping, that's a top, and that's kind yeah. of IBM every two weeks, five weeks, ten weeks, thirty weeks, if there's a top, we just assume it's a top, why, we don't know, we don't care. Yeah. So that cycles. Target algorithm I mentioned before, he looks at Elliott Wave, I haven't really mentioned that, but it, then he looks at 200 other things. One of the other things he looked at is something called the Q ratio. Right? Hmm. So what's the Q ratio? It's the total market value of a company compared to its assets. Mm-hmm. Let's take IBM. Total market's X, its assets are Y, it's the Q ratio. Mm-hmm. You can actually do that to the whole market. Mm-hmm. Right? You can take the entire world market and say if the whole market's priced or not. So he actually sent out the historical background about the last several years, the last several decades, like the tops are reached in the market when the Q ratio is around 65 and bottoms are reached when the Q ratio is minus 55. Mm. Based on the chart, this is a couple of weeks ago, the overall technical model was top, and therefore mm-hmm. the, the correction in 2009 never w- reached the oversold levels of the Q ratio with only 7%. So in effect, he's looking at things, he's checking himself, he's, you know, I call him the mad scientist, but he's really pulling all these together, including MACD, Oscillator, mm-hmm. what, to see whether they all line up. That's what mm-hmm. he, as a scientist, thinks runs things, regardless of what the news is, obviously. And mm-hmm. So that's just one example, and you brought up a very good one. There's more, and all your readers or your listeners, if they want to write in, will send them that, that work. Just to say they heard this on the radio, and I'll send them from a few weeks ago the, the economic work that we did. You know, because he does that. He also covered the water indicators. I don't want to get into that now. It's pretty esoteric. Yeah, but it's uh, it's all very interesting and, and ways you can make money and I think very valuable information. A couple of other markets I want to just ask you about were, right. I mean, the big one as far as I'm concerned, the biggest just about, is the U.S. bond market. Yes. The 30-year, uh, I'm seeing his, what he wrote um on the 19th, when he sent out his last missive, he says the sell signal in U.S. bonds continues, mm-hmm. while a close now for the 30-year above 131.16 and a close uh, above 125.09 for the 10-year will be a buy signal. We do not expect a lot of upside. So, right. But that's in the near term. What does he see? Does he see this major bull market in bonds being over now? Long-term cycles, mm-hmm. does he see the bond market going down and interest rates rising dramatically? Yes. Yeah, for 30 years. 
<laughs> for what? For 30 years. For 30 years. Right. So we've had a 30-year bull market. We're going to have a 30-year yeah. bear market? Right, right. To be, that's, pretty, that's pretty scary, whether or not well, uh, Bernanke yeah. tapers or not. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you're asking a good question. I mean, there's going to be some blips, like you have everything else. I mean, but yeah. he was begging people to buy the 10-year bond at 4% years ago, and they thought, how could it go any lower? So obviously right. it did. And we missed it. You know, we still may get some back and forth, but basically... If people look, look what just happened recently with bonds. Yeah, I mean, right. whoever's long bonds, they can get eaten up so fast. Why would they be? And yet, take the idea of the Q ratio I mentioned before, and just think about all the bonds in the world. In effect, people holding them are long. Yeah, they're long bonds. Absolutely, and because that's been that's been a thirty year trend, peop, uh, you know, David. So people can't right. believe it's going to change. That's right. that's been their experience, and so they it can't change, right? Right. So that's why we're telling. Yeah, we have a lot of brokers and you know them too and say how do you convince your client to hedge it you know do you go to, you know it's not so simple to buy tvt even though that's the easiest thing yeah but how do you hedge that and have that mentality and then we haven't talked about currencies but yeah, let's talk about top, the dollar yeah, yeah what's he see for the dollar now short well, the dollar he thinks term. will top next year because it's been on a pretty strong run and um then it will start its decline Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Canada, which has been a strong move up, he called it from 68 to par. Long term, he sees trouble in Canada with banks and, and, and real estate. He sees less problems with the Aussie. That's why we're preparing to go long the Aussie. And by the uh, way, you get all this as part of the newsletter. Oh, I know. Yen, it's yeah, it's, it's yeah, excellent. You know this. The yen, short term is up, long term, you know, is, is down. Um, the euro, the Swiss, you know, we 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 cover that too. Um, the Euro Aussie is near top, and obviously mm-hmm. it makes sense because the Euro's topping and the Aussie's bottoming. That's why the Euro Aussie <laughs> would be topping and swapping yeah. over now. But Americans generally don't think currency so much, even though they should. Because they should for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, David, uh, with a couple of minutes left here, I know that I did quite well on a recommendation Charles made on volatility. Mm-hmm. Has he said anything about volatility lately? Where it seems to me, if the equity markets are getting ready to to tank, mm-hmm. uh, there, or there could be some. I mean, volatility has been relatively low. Is there might yeah. there be some chances, some opportunities there? He'll he'll perhaps talk about. Great question. There was an there's a ETF known as UVXY. Right. That's what I used. I know, and that's. Um, Again, it's part of the conversation we had, obviously, with these big institutions. But generally, a lot of people, the big guys short that because the nature, like let's say if the VIX starts at 15 and ends at 15 in the year. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, it goes up to 30, down to 10, and back to 15, kind of like it's done. Mm-hmm. You're back to 15, right? You didn't, not the, let's didn't say, gain anything. To 15. Well, but if you held long the UVXY, you uh-huh. would get crushed. Yep. So if you short it, you make money. Yeah. So that's, that's what the big guys are doing. getting into vol, which is what this is, requires, you know, I mean, are you going to be long one thing and short another? I mean, it requires certain skills I don't have. I mean, I don't do this stuff, but there are people yeah. that do. Yeah. Um, so, but yes, I think volatility is certainly something that 
it's something to think about, but again, it's not so simple as you say. No, no, it's not. You know, it's not simple. We're cautious. That's true. We're, just like your questions, we're, we're, our our focus is people should avoid losing money and psychologically being in losing trades, like gold. When we told everyone get out of nineteen hundred, you have a lot of people crying now. You know, yeah. and is it going to bounce back so fast? No. Will it long term? Yeah. Can you live and survive? That's a good question. In the meantime, that's right. Exactly right. Uh, timing is everything, and I must say that uh, Charles Nanner, uh, Charles Nanner Research is as good as anybody I've used uh, for timing. I'm 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 the worst timer in the world. When I, I have no idea, but Charles has been very good. We are out of uh, just about out of time. Anything else? Um, the euro. What about the euro? Euro's topping now. You know, let's see what he wrote. Uh, very good question, by the way. Euro is toppy, as he said. And for now, we don't see technical weakness, but there's still a buy signal as long as it doesn't go below 130, 230. Again, Dutch bonds is an indication that, that things aren't so good over there because Charles would avoid them. And he has avoided shorting the euro which looked very bad in our brains, but he, sta- he stayed long, actually, and it was a very good trade. I'll just say one thing. When, before the Greek crisis, four years ago, the, mm-hmm. the euro was 151. Remember? Yeah. And he said, get out. It's going down. And sure enough, it went to 122, then 118. We went long again. So yeah. the euro is right now something you don't want to plan to be long, given what I just talked about, but is it something to short? Probably soon. But that's what you yeah. get from the research. Okay, one more uh, crude. Ah, good question. I, I'm reading here. He says uh, crude continues to struggle up to 111. Right. A close below 106 again will cancel the buy signal. Right. However, we think that 111 will be reached. Yeah. So yes, I guess he right. sees a little bit of upside there yet, and then look out. Yes. Right, because we've been kind of calling it from 68 up to here. After calling the top at 147, I forget I was 30 feet away from him when he was on CNBC, and he at 147 he said, we're going to have deflation. And yeah. uh, they laughed at him. I'll never forget. Yeah. And look what happened. It went down to 33, I think, back then. And then yeah, now it's been back up. But, but can I not see such major moves up, given this overall you know, commodity thing that I talked about at the beginning of the half hour. Right, the cycle. So, uh, yeah, although, you know, keep, stay posted is all I'm going to say. When you well, I think that's it. right. And I mean, one thing that you can say about Charles is that nothing is cast in stone. He, uh, you know, he's looking at probabilities and uh, and getting you in at a time when the probabilities are best uh, for the direction right. he's recommending. David, right. I want to thank you very much. We are out of time. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. And I uh, look always. forward to catching up uh, f- with your words of wisdom and those of Charles Nanner in the near future. Thank you so much. Like, it was always a pleasure, really, Jay. You, you should have a lot of success because you have such great guests on and you we, make them all feel great. We do have a lot of good guests and uh, you are among them. Thank you very much. Folks, Thank don't you. go away. We're going to be right back with Chen Lin, who's going to talk to us about his experience in Beijing. Chen spent uh, about six weeks, I believe it was, over there uh, visiting uh, with his family. And uh, if anybody knows what's going on, I think anybody living in America who knows what's going on in China, I think Chen Lin is as a good a bet as anybody to talk to. So stick around. After the break, we'll be uh, talking to Chen Lin. The 
business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. In this climate of increasing global economic uncertainty, just one safe haven remains, precious metals. Led by a strong, proven management team, Prophecy Platinum is actively developing the Wellgreen Platinum Group Metals, Nickel, and Copper property. A large, easily accessible deposit in the Yukon with an estimated resource of 1 million ounces of PGM and gold indicated and a further 11 million ounces inferred. Large deposit, excellent infrastructure, impressive drill results, and increasing international demand. To learn more about Prophecy Platinum and the Wellgreen Project, visit prophecyplat.com. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Uh, it's really good to have uh, my friend and partner Chen Lin back with me. Chen has just returned, uh, I believe, a month and a half in Beijing where he spent time with his, uh, with his family. His mother and father lived there, and his wife and two children had joined him as they went over there. So welcome, Chen. Really good to have you back again. I haven't talked to you in a long time. Yeah, thank you, Jay. Um, so you're just back from China, uh, such a huge country. Huge, huge country, and you were in Beijing, so I, I think it's a little bit like, you know, people come to New York, they, uh, people visit America, they go to New York City and they go nowhere else and they think they saw America, and I don't believe that's true because I'm from Ohio and I know Ohio is a heck of a lot different than New York City uh, in many ways and the way people think and the economic activity and all of that. Uh, so what we hear all the time here in America uh, on the mainstream media, uh, we hear that China is slowing um, what's your sense of how the direction of things in China right now, the economic uh, situation there? Uh, China definitely under stress. You know, uh, I thought, as I you know mentioned to uh, in my newsletter that I was uh, early this year. That's the way ahead of the uh, uh, the you know mainstream media was. Uh, I saw China was slowing down, and uh, you know tell everybody to be careful. So uh, right now it's uh, China slow down. Everybody's talking about that. So I think the trade is over. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, it's still under stress. Okay, China's uh, there's a uh, I can you know my sense is that there's still a lot of money pulling out of China. The hot money are getting out of China. So uh, the Chinese government actually providing the support uh, to support its currency. Actually, you look at the Indian. Uh, currency that just hit a new low today. Oh yeah, and uh, China currency should depreciate because there's so much money pulling out of China. 
but it doesn't because China has uh, you know three three and a half trillion dollar in reserve. So they are using that money to support the currency, oh. to support the banking system. You can see last night the the China's LIBOR, SHIBOR jump again. And oh. the news immediately is Chinese government inject whatever, whatever billion, I think another hundred billion or something into the banking system. So the, I think, uh, the, so this is what I take right now is um, China is definitely slowing down. Chinese uh, financial system is under stress. Uh, but however, China has, uh, you know, they have a lot of foreign reserve. They have a lot of money, animations to fight for that. So uh, going to be... Uh, interesting, you know, to see uh, well, what's um, uh, what's going to happen in the next few months. Yeah, the money's leaving China. Where is it going, Chen? Well, by coming back to the U.S. It's coming back to the U.S. Right, right, right. I think there's uh, uh, people. You know, personal, personally, because all these these days, you know, in the past few months, I mean, beginning of, since beginning of the year, everything is in turmoil. Right, everything is going like crazy. Uh, there's money flowing out of bond, uh, money flowing out of emerging market. Um, so I guess there's a lot of money they were made. You know, those uh, especially like you see all these Wall Street, they they own a lot of buildings in China. They those they invested ten years ago or a long time mm-hmm. ago in local currency. Though they got both appreciation of real estate, which is bubbling in China, and the mm-hmm. currency, they got two appreciations. So time to take profit. So I can mm-hmm. see clearly money is, is coming out of China. And if it's coming to the United States, where is it going? Has it been going into the stock market? And, and where, is, where is it going? We see, I think, the reports the last couple of uh, months that there's been a net outflow from U.S. treasuries from foreigners. And I don't know if that's not all China, of course, but what, where do you think the money might be going if it's coming back to the U.S.? I mean, any sense of that? That I... Hard to say because I know it's a lot probably of, a lot of different places. A lot of hedge funds are buying up real estate, so real estate actually turn a corner uh, in in the United States. So that yeah. could be. But I heard a lot of those are really fund buying. They're they're taking out all these um, you know inventory. So the, the the housing inventory and so forth, buildings, real mm-hmm. estate. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, we, uh, that that would make sense. I know we had uh, Kathy Fetke on the show. Uh, about uh, from three thirty to four today, and uh, you know, Kathy was talking about how a lot of hedge funds have gone in, bought U.S. real estate, and, and have not made out that well with it uh, because they've sort of gone in blindly and bought it. But uh, it's interesting, interesting speculation where the Chinese money would be going coming back. So the government is stepping in, using those foreign exchange reserves, I guess, to um, to to um, uh, to keep the the Chinese currency from tanking. Yeah, that's what I see. It's under you know, severe stress in the past few few months, and also uh, you can see the banking system. China's banking deposit base are shrinking. So uh, they they almost there are some bank big bank almost went bankrupt a few months ago when the Chinese LIBOR spike uh, mm-hmm. like a thousand basis point something in very short period. But mm-hmm. then the central government come in to for rescue. You know they they try to. They inject money, uh, which is, which is not. I mean, it just just cure the symptom. You know, there's some more problem ahead, right? The the, the key problem is that uh, people are withdrawing money from from China out of China, so the bank is uh, they're losing deposit, they're losing the the base. Uh, so that's a problem. 
Chinese people are taking money out of the out of the banks. Are they buying gold with it? To a no, certain no, extent? no. I don't think it's Chinese people. Mostly, it's the foreign people from United States from other. They're putting money. They're taking profit. You know, think about the past ten years. Uh, Chinese real estate probably appreciate tenfold easily. Yeah. And then the currency approach appreciate fifty, maybe thirty percent, fifty percent. I mean, you have both. You know, both wow. going your way. And then wow. very nice profit to to take, right. right? Right, exactly. So cashing out and moving money out of China into other places. So no capital controls yet for for foreign money going into China. Right, there's capital control, but you know everything is uh, you know uh, can be there's work around. You know China is a bit <laughs> like a wild wild west. I mean everything is you say all these China's banning Google, China's uh, has all these uh, information control, but in China, you pay a dollar a month. You can bypass everything. Right? You spend, you pay money. Same thing with the capital. Capital control. You, 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 there's all these uh, middlemen just doing this. They yeah. they make a ways living. Around, ways around the rules. Yeah, they they make a living. They have all these fake imports and exports in China. They they you know they ship for them. They ship a container to to Hong Kong. Say this is gold or something very expensive. Then they go to the the government, government has to exchange the money for them, right? And then later on, they shift it back. So, okay, you know, so these things happening. I mean, they, they use those, uh, because China, you know, they, they, there's, uh, it, they wouldn't, you know, China's currency is like, they, there's no future. So they, all the speculators, like George Soros, cannot come into short Chinese currency. Very hard to do. But for those uh, real businesses, there's many ways to, to change money, you know, in and out. George Soros. So, so are you saying that there there are reports that George Soros is, sh- is shorting the Chinese currency? No, no, I just no, absolutely have no idea. I just oh, think oh, it's I, I hard see. for him to short. Yeah, it would be hard for him to do it. Yeah, because yeah. it's uh, uh, the, the currency. You know, it, it, it's not a hundred percent convertible, but there's a way to convert all the money. Chen, you said that China has about three. I think, if I understood you right, three and a half trillion dollars worth of foreign currency right now? Right, foreign reserve. Around that, you know, it changes every quarter, every maybe sure. a little bit now. So sure. Yeah. So they're continuing to be a net exporter. They're still driven, their economy is driven by exports primarily, right? And they're trying to, as I understand it, is the policy in China to try to uh, to depend more on domestic demand and not just uh, I mean domestic growth and not just exports? Yeah, the the writing is on the wall. Right for China, they they cannot export way out of it, so they try to be more consumer. You know, try to stimulate the, the con- you know domestic consumption. Uh, so uh, so there is uh, yeah they try to to switch, but it's uh, it's gradual. It's a long process. Chen, what are you seeing? And I mean, we we hear reports all the time that China continues to import huge amounts of gold. What, what's your? Do you have any comments on that? What's your sense of that? Yeah, there was a huge buying when gold dropped uh, last time. Dropped below thirteen hundred, mm-hmm. and there's huge buying, and then the buying taper off. Uh, then when you know when people see, oh, maybe gold, gold may go lower. Now gold start to rebound. I heard there's a buying start picking up again in the past mm-hmm. few weeks. A mm-hmm. few days. I mean, especially the past few days. So, um, yeah, I, I would say the the demand, physical demand, is still quite strong. 
Do you uh, do you have any sense of how much gold China might hold relative uh, to you know in relation to its GDP compared to some of its trading partners? I think it's still a small amount compared to what the U.S. is supposed to own if it in fact it does own it. Right, right. Well, there, there's a uh, all these rumors that China increase uh, you know its 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 gold reserve. Uh, I think last time they have like a, a thousand tons, something around that. Mm-hmm. There's all these rumors. I check with my sources. It's not confirmed. You know, nobody confirmed. And the Chinese central bank, bank, you know, the, the governor of central bank had an interview when he was uh, appointed early this year, mm-hmm. and he he believed, you know, putting like a two three percent of uh, foreign reserve into gold is a good thing. Uh-huh. But he said, you know, we're worrying about if we buy too much gold, gold price will, you know, will go go too high. So. Mm-hmm. So they're doing it very slowly, and also China is the largest gold producer now. I believe the China, exactly. largest country. China is producing. Yeah, China is the the place. Uh, yeah, it's the largest producer thanks to the lax uh, environmental regulation yeah. and cheap labor. <laughs> you have those two things together. That's not so good in the long run, but but uh, but it would help the country build its gold reserves and uh, gold is real money as you know chen with a couple of minutes left i'd like to just ask you you're you were really hot on a couple of uh, oil stocks you still like mart for example oh yeah yeah i really like mart uh, power and both i like a lot and uh, no, the no, gold stock has moved a lot i mean i was very lucky to uh, buy gold just uh, you know past months as you see if i'm a newsletter uh, so those already move a lot, like uh, Oceana almost doubled, uh, Lisa also went up uh, a lot. So there's, uh, yeah, but I still like all these uh, all these stock, you know. Well, those gold stocks and uh, Mart and Panorian still a couple of your favorite oil stocks, and you've yeah. done very well as well in the, some of the pharmaceutical stocks. Could you talk about one or two of those with a minute left? Yeah, I have a Celerex, I have Vanda, you know, I, I made, it's up a lot this year, so actually I took profit in the past month or two to use them to buy gold. I still own some, I still own a, you know, a sizable position, but uh, it was a very nice trade because it went up a lot this year and I was able to use the profit to call the bottom of gold about a month ago. Now I see that you uh, today you put something out about Allied Nevada and you took a a leverage trade on ANV I think. Yeah, the stock has been uh, really hit hard. It's from oh. forty dollar to four dollar. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. So uh, it, it, when you're down down this severe, the bond rebound can be very strong. Last time uh, they did a placement uh, a couple months ago was at ten dollar fifty cents. If I remember correctly, there are insider purchase. Recently, was reported, so uh, I think you know stock. Uh, you can argue maybe forty dollar may be overvalued, but the four dollar here is really cheap, and yeah. I'm buying this for bond rebound. I think it's you know could easily go back to double digits, for example. Yeah, no, I could I could see that as well. It is one that I've followed and have gotten in too early back into my newsletter, but boy, it's looking very attractive at four bucks. I want to thank you very much, Chen. For being with me again, it's been a long time. Thank you. Uh, always good to talk to you. Always you, good Jay. to hear your hear your uh, words of wisdom, uh, folks. One of the best uh, one of the best traders I know, Chen Lin, done very well for himself and his family, and he's sharing that information with uh, with his subscribers. You can sign up for Chen's letter 
uh, but you need to put your name on a waiting list, uh, and Ten takes new subscribers at the beginning of each quarter. That will be uh, the beginning of October is the next time, but you go to miningstocks.com and put your name on the list, and then if there's uh, available spots, Chen will uh, take you as a subscriber. Thank you very much, Chen. Very good to talk to you again. Folks, don't go away. I'll be right back uh, with a summary of today's show and a word about next week's guest. It would be David Stockman uh, and John Williams, the economist John Williams. Don't go away. I'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Golden Arrow Resources on the TSX Exchange has recently made a new silver discovery and is presently drilling a 6,500-meter program on that discovery. A maiden resource calculation is expected to be released in April of this year. The project is located in Jujuy Province in northern Argentina, just 30 kilometers from the Perquitas Mine operated by Silver Standard. Golden Arrow has an experienced team with decades of experience in Argentina. Golden Arrow offers shareholders exceptional leverage with an exciting new silver discovery. SGX Resources is an exploration gold company with multiple advanced exploration projects in the Timmins Gold Camp. Recent high-grade intersections at SGX's Tully Deposit include 14 meters at 20.1 grams per ton and 17.6 meters at 11.1 grams per ton. The deposit is currently more than 600 meters along strike with a depth of up to 250 meters and remains open in all directions. SGX Resources trades on the TSX Venture Exchange with the trading symbol SXR. Visit our website at www.sgxresources.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questions4taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I just want to uh, some thoughts, uh, share some thoughts that I have with, today, with you about today's show. First of all, uh, Daniel McAdams, I uh, want to have him on on a regular basis uh, just for some short segments most of the time, just to sort of keep us up to date with what's going on on Ron Paul's Institute for Peace and Prosperity. Uh, you know, last night when I was uh, working out in my bicycle here, um, I was watching an interview that 60 Minutes did with Julian Assange of the uh, WikiLeaks uh, company, <clears throat> and Julian was, you know, was said to him, "You are viewed as a traitor," and he said, "Not at all. What I do is I espouse the values of Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, uh, James Madison, and, and the founders." Uh, and I believe that's very much the case. I think that's, uh, that's very much the case. And what we're doing now uh, as a nation is the antithesis of that. And the values that we held and our founders held are being thrown out almost indiscriminately. And the latest and the most, I think, the most serious threat to our liberties and our freedom 
is the NSA and the spying and the ability to blackmail, the ability to follow you and know what you're doing and to use that against you if you object to the government, if you object to the policies. This is what all dictators do. Dictatorships do that stuff. And to me, that's what we are emerging into. So how did this come about? How did we go away from the spirit of the Declaration of Independence, which in fact kicked the King of England out of here because he was doing exactly what our government is now doing? And I have to come back to this, this quote from Cicero, and I'm going to read it again because I think it is so pertinent to what's going on. NSA and the stuff that's going on now, um, the military-industrial complex that President Eisenhower warned us about, Anyway, here's the quote. I'm going to read it again. A nation can survive its fools and even the ambitious, but it cannot survive treason from within. An enemy at the gates is less formidable, for he is known and carries his banner openly. But the traitor moves amongst those within the gate freely. His sly whispers rustling through all the alleys, heard in the very halls of government itself. For the traitor appears not a traitor. He speaks in accents familiar to his victims, and he wears their face and their arguments. He appeals to the baseness that lies deep in the hearts of all men. He rots the soul of a nation. He works secretly and unknown in the night to undermine the pillars of the city. He infects the body politic so that it can no longer resist. A murderer is far less to fear. A traitor is the plague, end of quote. Well, I think that's what we have. I, I think that America has been inflicted by this Trojan horse, by this ideology, uh, and the big lie that destroyed America. I'm, I'm really planning to write a book about it sometime, uh, and I'm not going to say much more about it than that right now. But I, I, I am very, very troubled by, by all that's going on in this country because I think it's, it's not intentional. Americans are oblivious. They don't understand the dangers to our freedoms and our liberties, they think, people think, I'm free to go here, I'm free to go there, oh, I have to put up with a little bit of TSA inconvenience, but oh, I'm safe now. And so they go along with it and they don't worry about it and nobody, very few people object. And those of us who do then fall into the target range of the NSA because we are objecting to our government. Then we become uh, the associate uh, associated with the people that are against the country, therefore we are uh, ourselves traitors. And now you see how the uh, they are targeting uh, people that are affiliated with terrorists, and they and they kill them as well. So it is. I I think this is something we need to be very concerned about. What's going on? I do want to thank uh, Kathy Fetke for coming on, giving us a little bit of respite from all this horrible stuff. Uh, my engineer is telling me my time is up, so I do have to tell you. David Stockman will be with me next week, uh, and also John Williams, the economist. With David, we're going to discuss the Great Deformation. We're going to pick up where we left off the last time. Daniel McAdams will be here as well. I want to thank Tacey Trump, my producer, Matt Widener, my engineer, for making this show logistically possible. Thanks to each of you for listening. Until next week, goodbye, and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.